Well, it's good to be back. I tell you what, uh, been battling throat problems off and on all week, and I've kind of got my voice back to where I can talk a little bit here. I guess that makes uh, some people feel uncomfortable, kind of squirming in their seats, if you will. But Gary Gatehouse is back uh, talking with a much different voice today. Sounds like a frog. But that's the way it is. Um, going to have it all checked out this coming week and see what the hell's going on. I think it's allergies again. My doctors have been telling me that's what it is. Gary, it's doctor. It's your allergies. And, you know, down here in Texas, I, I tell you what, folks. There isn't a day goes by down here in South Texas with all the heat and all that. Well, you're not going to, if you have an allergy of some type, you're going to, you're going to see it, you're going to feel it. Just living down here. It's just, uh, just the way it is. You just got to roll with the punches, I guess. You know, ladies and gentlemen, getting back to the debates, and I'm not going to dwell on this, but I just want to talk about it just a little bit. You know, Donald Trump is making the lying politically correct boys and girls club, i.e. the mainstream media and political cartel in Washington, D.C., known as Congress and known as the mainstream media elitist journalists they like to call themselves. He's making them squirm in their seats. They just don't know what to do when someone who speaks the truth and that, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that truth is rocking the elitist boat, and they don't like it. Now, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump's feud with Megyn Kelly. So I guess it they, they're saying it escalated this last Friday night when he said the Fox News host had blood coming out of her, out of her, at this week's Republican debate, resulting in swift condemnation from conservatives and some of his competitors in the Republican Party or primary. Now, the outspoken billionaire, Donald Trump, criticized Megyn Kelly for her line of questioning during Thursday night's televised GOP presidential debate, saying her questions were ridiculous and off-base. He went on to say, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Blood coming out of, of her whatever. Now, there's this guy, Red State editor, Eric Erickson. What a little... I'm not even going to use the word. I can't stand the guy. He reacted to Donald Trump's statement by disinviting the GOP frontrunner from the Red State, Red State gathering, a gathering for conservatives at an event featuring GOP presidential hopefuls this last weekend in Atlanta. Trump was scheduled to be the keynote speaker Saturday night, but I guess old Eric Erickson just didn't like what Trump said, so he says, you're not coming to the party. We don't want you to speak here. You hurt our feelings. You hurt Megan's feelings. And But he goes on to say, and ladies and gentlemen, this is how perverted people are in America today. They make things up. To make it fit in with their lexicon, make it fit in with their ideology, make it fit in with they the way they see things through their rose-colored glasses or whatever kind of glasses Eric Erickson wears. He goes on to say, As much as I do personally like Donald Trump, his comment about 
Megyn Kelly on CNN is a bridge too far for me. His comment was inappropriate. It is unfortunate to have to disinvite him. But I just don't want someone on stage who gets a hostile question from a lady and his first inclination is to imply it was hormonal. It was just it was just wrong. Really, Eric? Did he come out and say anything about Megan Kelly's hormones or body functions? Did he, Eric? I think you read in a lot of what you want to read in to your statement and an excuse to disinvite Donald Trump from your so-called red state hoopla where you have all your conservative, so-called conservative people that are running for the, uh, oh, I don't the nod from the GOP to run for president of the United States. You didn't want anybody up on stage that was telling the truth. You didn't want up anybody on the stage that was going to tell what it, how it is was not hamstrung by political correctness. You know, Eric Erickson, you're a prime example of people in Washington, people in the media, people who think they control the minds of the American people just by what they write or say. You're a prime example of a person who has what I call political the politically correct virus. You're afraid to step out and speak the truth, just like so many of your comrades in the media, and that includes Megyn Kelly. I have no likes at all for Megyn Kelly. Never have, never will. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, what is it about the media? What is it about the media that makes them think that whatever they say is the truth, the gospel, and we've got to buy into it, and if we don't, well, we can be somebody labeled like Donald Trump is, a bully, a person who is trying to, I don't know, call, cause ripples in the pond. Seems there were a few presidents out there that spoke their mind, used fiery rhetoric, did not take any guff from friend or foe. Harry Truman comes to mind. In his day, one could say he was not hamstrung by political correctness. Back then, one would had said, Old Harry tells it like it is, and if anyone don't like it well, tell Harry would tell him to go straight to hell. Of course, Harry was a Democrat, but he was from the Midwest, and Harry was a hard-nosed, take-no-prisoners, I don't give a damn what you say about me, I'm coming right back at you. That's the way he was. But you know, in this day and age, America has been so pussified, the days that anything that is said about someone off color or might hurt their poor little personal feelings is a no-no. One would automatically be branded as a bully or a crude individual. Now we have residing up in the Rainbow House, formerly known as the White House, an individual that I have to admit has a great command of the spoken word. His ability to stand in front of the golden uh, microphone or whatever you want to call it up there, teleprompter, and speak to the American people with it and lie to them with a straight face and be so convincing is a trait of the devil. Now along comes an individual that most 
would admit has a less than perfect command of the English language. But like old Harry Truman, tells it like it is, using blue-collar language skills that resonate with Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, not the pseudo-I-know-it-all soft-spoken, politically correct media, talking heads, and the limp-wristed, spineless politicians who, by the way, have gotten our country in deep trouble because of their lack of a spine and their politically correct approach to running the country. The message this person, this person I'm talking about, is the resonator, if you will. The message comes from this person's mouth is one that most American patriots, most American patriots have been waiting to hear for decades. The message resonates with America. Why? Because it is the truth. Put it into words that we in America can all understand. Yeah, we have spoken the same words over the kitchen table, having a beer with our friends. Those words are the words of we the patriots, not some politically correct dolts, which seem to be the majority here in America today. Now, going after a woman that I guess is a shining star on Fox News, snapping back when she and her other two comrade Fox colleagues, or whatever you want to call them, set the person up for the first two questions of the debate, tells me they had an agenda. Tells me they did not like the person from the get-go and were doing whatever they could to rid the elitist, as they would look at him, of the mainstream media. And, and you know, they told the line. These elitists in the mainstream media, they told the line, the party line. Politicians of anyone that would speak against them, they stand, they stand toe-to-toe to go after that person. The mainstream media is nothing but a mouthpiece for Congress, nothing but a mouthpiece for the Communist Democrat Party. And that includes, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to say it, but that includes Fox News. This fair and balanced bull crap is a bunch of bull crap. Now, we the people, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, the real patriots of America, have finally found a hero that says what they have been saying for a long time. That being... The mainstream media are lying to the American people. The mainstream media spins and bends the so-called news to shape into any shape that they want. So as long as they get their word out to you disguised as the news, as long as they get their propaganda out to you and they disguise it as the news, they take a news issue or a news happening and they bend it in shape, especially political, they bend it and shape it and spin it to such a point that it, it no longer is the truth. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the mainstream media, and that includes Fox News, and all their retread talking heads, and yes, retread talking heads, they're nothing more than a group of people that stand up Stand up for the the, the uh, elitist, the congressional or Congress cartel up in D.C. We the people, we don't have a representative in Congress. And what we bought into as Fox News being a representative for the conservative movement in this country, well, we're finding out now that we've been backing a dead horse. We've been backing a dead horse. 
These people up at Fox, including Megyn Kelly, the whole damn bunch, are backing the political folks up there, the political cartel, if you will, that resides inside the Beltway, Washington, D.C. The politicians that we in the heartland, we who reside in the South, we who do not sign on to politically, we know they are liars. Do-nothing individuals that consider whatever they say or do as a representation of we the people. Patriots of America do not sign on to that assumption whatsoever. We know the truth. They're not there to represent us. They're there to represent everybody but us. Along comes Donald Trump, a person that commands the attention of not only fellow Americans but the elitist. And he is making them squirm in their seat. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's a good thing. When Donald Trump stands there and he talks in the language of we the people, he talks in the language of we the people, not some flowery rhetoric, not some ongoing, this babbling hyperbole that comes out of the mouths of most politicians today. And none of them really means a thing. It, it doesn't mean a thing. It's just hot air. Donald Trump is short and to the point when he says something. And when he says something, he means it. And what he says digs into the hearts, into the, I guess they have souls, the souls of those who supposedly we elected and sent to Congress to represent us, but they have turned their back on us. And they have willing accomplices, the mainstream media, that back them, help them move along up the ladder, etc. And they all pal along, pal together in a big old inside the beltway elitist, I don't know what you call it, some kind of club. And one along comes an outsider who's not a member of the club, never will be, don't want to be. He shines a light of truth on them and their lies and their spin, and they become unglued because they know, they know that what Trump is saying is the truth, and the truth hurts. The truth hurts. Donald Trump has that on his side. We all know that Donald Trump at one time has been a Democrat, then a Republican, and then back and forth, and he said things that uh, most Americans, you know, just poo-poo it off, except for the elitist, because it digs into them. It hurts them. It gets under their skin. Anybody uh, with any mind at all knows that these people that are on Fox News, on ABC, CNN, whatever, they are thin-skinned individuals because they think they are at the top of the heap. They have established themselves. You know, when you watch Fox News, just take Fox News for an example. When they do interviews, who are they interviewing? They're interviewing other journalists on Fox News for the majority of the time on issues. They don't go outside the box. They don't go out to the Midwest and interview Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack very rarely. No, it's people from within Fox News that they interview. Or they bring in such dolts as Carl Rove and people like that and pray them across the screen. And this guy that has this damn thing going on where you get the little knobs and stuff and I forget his name, and he's got this thing going on, and he can gauge what people think. So he's an idiot. He's an idiot. But Fox News likes him because it fits right in with their agenda. 
fits right in with their agenda. Now, I have to admit, I used to watch Fox News every night religiously. I used to watch uh, Hannity was my favorite show because he's probably the only true conservative on Fox News. The blowhard O'Reilly, Megyn Kelly, that whole damn bunch. I don't like any of them. They're two-faced and they think they're above the rest of the country. You can tell it by the way they act. And the little act that Megyn Kelly puts on being all feisty and out front and outspoken, she's nothing but a wise ass. That's about as good of a of a Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack description as I can give you. She's a wise ass, a wise acre. But she thinks she's cute and she knows it all. And she gets up there with her gruff little voice and as soon as somebody says something bad about her, she goes to her feminine side like she's hurt. Well, if you're going to get in there and play with the big boys and you're going to get in there and try to push people around, Megan, when somebody says something about you that makes you that hurts your feelings or, or, or makes you feel like you've been put, on, put out the pasture or whatever, you can't do that, Megan. You can't wear your cocktail dresses and do your show and act all gruff and mean and ass-kicking and then turn around and try to play the feminine role, too. It just won't work, baby. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced, conservative perspective. Mrs. Schlafly is president of Eagle Forum, a leading force in the pro-family movement since 1972. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. The 2016 presidential campaign is already in full swing, but candidates have demonstrated they are not ready to answer questions from the voters and the press. Leading Republican candidate Jeb Bush stumbled all over himself with conflicting answers to a question about whether we should have gone to war in Iraq. While leading Democrat Hillary Clinton continues to ignore questions about her missing emails, her foundation's fundraising from foreign governments, and her checkered career in and out of government. It looks like we may be in store for another campaign reminiscent of 2008, where candidate Barack Obama arrogantly answered one important question by saying that the question was above his pay grade. The question that produced Obama's non-answer is often misremembered as, when does human life begin? Now, that's a question that depends in part on scientific knowledge. The actual question put to Obama was not scientific but legal, which ought to have put it well within Obama's presumed expertise as a former professor of constitutional law. Obama was really asked, at what point does a baby get human rights? Obama's response was to babble something about pro-choice, essentially saying unborn babies do not get human rights at any point. In that same interview, each presidential candidate was asked to define marriage. The Republican and Democratic candidates both claim they believe marriage is the union between a man and a woman. With all of the attacks the Obama administration has made on traditional marriage over the last six years, we can see the falsehood in his supposed position on marriage in 2008. 
It is more important than ever for voters to watch out for such evasive tactics. We don't want to be fooled by politicians willing to say anything for a vote before the election and then turning around and doing something very different after the election. A brighter future begins when we understand history. Read the 50th anniversary edition of Phyllis Schlafly's history-making book, A Choice, Not an Echo, and be inspired to mobilize the grassroots and take the government back from the media, globalists, and kingmakers. Get your copy at a special discount at eagleforum.org. That's eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. All right, we know it's Monday. Blue Monday. Yeah, Blue Monday. Oh, Blue Monday. Well, I know you folks are either going to work, halfway through your work, or coming home. Depending on what time you're listening, what station you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show on. I know you folks over there in London, you've already finished your work day. All you folks, uh, oh, I don't know, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest... It's Blue Monday, and I don't have to tell you what the consequences are of Blue Monday. Here it goes. I know you partied hard. Sunday morning, recuperate. All right, all you folks out there that uh, went out and partied your rear ends off this weekend. And you're at the workplace and your head is as big as a Volkswagen bus. Sunday just didn't help you. You just didn't get through it. You're still popping aspirins and drinking water by the gallon. I guess hold on there. Hump day's coming. And you can do it again. That's right, Fats. Monday is a mess. More ways than one. You know, folks, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm battling uh, battling throat problems, and uh, if you hear my voice break or kind of fade away, it's not the microphone, it's me. It's just uh, I'm trying to battle through this. I'm trying to try all kinds of things. I'm drinking lemon and honey and the whole kind, all these home remedies and stuff that my folks and everybody else is telling me to do. But it doesn't seem like it's uh, doing a whole lot of hell of good good for the uh, the old throat. So uh, I'm going to go check it out and see what the hell's wrong with it. Maybe my vocal cords need to be realigned. <laughs> But you know, Washington, the Washington cartel, better known as Congress, has this country in deep trouble. 
It really does. Let's face it. Even the leftists, even the people who support the Democrat Party, the people who have a little bit of a brain, a little semblance of a gray matter between the ears, they're starting to recognize this. And it's not just the Republicans, it's the Democrats, it's the Independents, everybody out there is starting to recognize that in Washington, D.C., it's not Democrat, it's not Republican. Oh, yeah, they put on a pretty good show. They put on a real good show, of course, with the help of the propaganda arm of the Washington cartel, that being the news media. And they have a majority, I would say, or close to it, hoodwinked into thinking that they are up there, they are the champions of the American people. They are working diligently, day and night, burning the midnight oil to make sure everything is just perfect in America. And they put out all kinds of propaganda trying to convince the American people that they are back on the happy road, back on the road to success. Everything is looking up and up and everything is looking real rosy for we the people. They tell us that the unemployment rate is down to 5.2% or whatever and Obama's got the economy in high gear and everything's just looking good. It's all a bunch of lies. Over 90 million Americans unemployed, not even looking for a job anymore. 50-some million, 60-some million people on welfare, on food stamps. And they're more than likely a part of that 90-plus million not looking for a job, and they probably never have looked for a job. The workforce is shrinking. The amount of money that Congress loves to spend is now leveled on the shoulders of a even smaller working working peoples. And you folks out there that work, I know you're working your tails off. I was talking to a couple of guys, young guys, the other day that came in the studio. They're down, they live down the road. And they're both in their mid-20s, 23, 24, something like that. A couple of nice guys. Neither one of them married. And one's driving an old Ford 500 or something, some old beat-up old car. And the other one's driving a Ford pickup, an older Ford pickup in the 90s. And we was talking, and they were interested in the studio and all the gear here and all that stuff and asking questions on how they could get started doing something like that. But finally we got around to talking about how they were doing in the workplace. And one of the uh, young guys told me, he said, Well, you know, Mr. Gatehouse, I work two jobs during the week. And on the weekends, I also work a job. And I said, Well, what do you do for a living? And he said, Well, I work at a body shop, and I kind of clean up after all the people that are doing the body work and the painting and all that. I go around and clean up. That's one of my jobs. And another one is I work at Burger King in the evenings. And uh, I said, well, what do you do on weekends? And he said, well, I've learned enough from working at the body shop that I can paint, oh, small things uh, like, a, um, oh, I don't know, repairs on cars. Or I can even do a car paint job in my father's garage. He lets me use it. 
and I pick up a little money that way. He says, I'm, I, I never stop working. I'm always working. I'm always looking for an odd job here and there. And I said, well, what kind of an education do you have? And he says, I have a high school education. I graduated from high school. And uh, I've always been around folks who do mechanical things and things like that. And my father's taught me a lot. And that's where that young man's coming from. He's working two jobs and one on the weekend. Just to bring in enough money to, like he said, to pay his car insurance. Rent on his little one-room one uh, bedroom uh, efficiency, as he called it, on the outskirts of, uh, of the county here. And the other guy, I asked him what he did for a job, and he said uh, that he delivers newspapers out in the rural areas of the county. And I said, oh, are you the guy that comes by and the headlights hit my windows at 4.30 in the morning sometimes? He said, yep, that would be me, Mr. Gatehouse. He said, I get up at about 2 in the morning, go pick up my truck full of uh, newspapers, unbundle them, and then I go out and I put them in mailboxes all around the county on my route. I usually get done, he said, about quarter to 8 in the morning, quarter, quarter to 8 in the morning. Then I traipse off to my other job, and I said, well, what's your other job? He said that he works two jobs during the day. He has a job at the end of the breakfast session at McDonald's and he works at from 9 o'clock to 1 o'clock in the afternoon after the lunch people leave. Then he has a one hour break and he goes and cleans up uh, offices and stuff at 5 in the afternoon. And then during that one hour break he goes to the library and he's trying to get some uh, knowledge built up so he can go to junior college in the fall. He's trying to get ahead. He's trying to do it. But anyway, he goes at 5 o'clock in the afternoon to a, a, a building complex in San Antonio and cleans offices. And he says he works there to about 7.30, 8, 8.30 at night. He goes home, collapses in bed, gets up at 1 o'clock in the morning, gets ready to go pick his newspapers up and deliver newspapers. Those are two Middle age, not uh, yeah, two guys in their mid twenties, trying to trying to make a living, supporting themselves, and two nice young guys. They both have high school educations. They don't have college or anything. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's the story of what's going on in America. It's not just the young guys and gals. It's older folks. Now I knew a couple of guys. Oh, it's been a year now since I've even talked to him. But one guy was a foreman at a Ford dealership. You know, when you pull in, I guess he, the foreman is the wrong term. to He he meted and greeted the people that pulled in to have repairs done on their car or to have uh, services, service manager. That's what I'm looking for. That's what he did for a living. He'd been with this company, Ford company, for a long time, I don't know how many years, but anyway, they laid him off because the sales were down. This is a year ago. And he couldn't find any work. He was in his late 50s. Late 50s, 58, 59, somewhere. You know what that guy's doing now? The last time I talked to him, you know what he's doing? He's working at a pizza hut. 
He's working at a pizza hut, and his wife works at the same place. She works in the day shift. He works in the evening shift. That's how they support themselves. He was a, a pseudo. I, he was a, a professional man, service manager for a large Ford dealership. Been with him for years. Lost his job. Can't find a job, except for Pizza Hut. Now, there's nothing wrong with working at Pizza Hut, but I'm assuming he's not a manager. I'm assuming that he's probably making eight, nine, ten, eleven bucks an hour, because those are entry level jobs to teach people how to work in a workplace, to get along with fellow workers, etc. It's a learning experience job. But now they're being filled by people that have already went through that and can't find anything else. And you know, folks, I know a lot of you out there are in that situation. A lot of you have children, young children. They're probably in school. A lot of you are working two, three jobs. Your wife's working. It seems like you never do anything but work, does it? Doesn't it? And we have a man in the Rainbow House, and we have a Congress that stands up in front of we the people and tells us things are looking up. Things are looking good. All we have to do is just work our asses off just a little bit harder so we, the Congress can reach into our billfolds and purses and rob us of our money in the form of federal income tax. On top of that, we got state, county, city, all kinds of taxes we pay. Phone tax, utility tax, you name it, tax. And the American people are tax poor. But the federal taxes that they rip out of our paychecks goes up to D.C. And those money-hungry SOBs up there spend it as they will. Spend it like drunken sailors. It's not their money. They don't care. They could give a rat's behind. They'll spend it on any frivolous thing they want to spend it on. And then turn around and stick their hand out and say, you, the working people of America, you need to work harder and send us more money. We've got more projects we've got to fund. Before I go to break, I want to ask you folks out there, when was the last time you had a leader in the White House that really that you really perceived as caring for you and caring for the American way of life and honoring our Constitution and our military. When was the last president we had that was, I guess, for no better term, a father figure? Kind of like George Washington, the father of the country. A person who stood tall when he went overseas to represent we the people we were proud to see him there we were proud to see his face as he spoke with Gorbachev or whoever we knew the country was in good hands I'm speaking of Ronald Reagan now I know you people on the left when you hear that word you cower and get into your desk and make all kinds of snide remarks and and you refer to your, your beloved president, Bubba, the rapist, Bill Clinton, as the greatest president of modern day, the first black president. Bill Clinton was a loser. He is a loser. 
And I think you people on the left are finding that out more and more every day. Along comes a guy in the last month or so, month and a half, that is different. He carries himself different. He speaks different. He speaks like one of us. He pulls no punches. Political correctness doesn't have him by the throat. He could care less what the media thinks about him. He could care less what the congressional cartel thinks about him. He's out there telling the truth, calling a spade a spade, take no prisoners, hard-nosed individual. I'm talking about Donald Trump. And he has a message that resonates with we the people. It resonates with we the people. Why? Because, like I said in the monologue, it is what we've been talking about amongst ourselves for decades. If we could just get an individual to come along and speak the truth, if we could just get an individual to represent we the people who doesn't take any guff off anybody. And I think most of us would agree that we've needed somebody like that for a long time. Well, he's here. And he's being attacked by the left and the right and the media. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the message he speaks is the message true patriots in America want to hear. It's about time somebody stood up to these unmorally fit, lying, conniving, song and dance, one-trick pony people that reside in Washington, D.C., and those who hang out in the media. It's time we call them out. And we found a person that will do it. I don't know if he'll get elected president, but the message he is speaking is shaking things up and is exposing those individuals like Megyn Kelly and Fox News that have been writing their laurels and writing on the lie that they are the voice of the conservative people of America, and that is a lie. They're no better than New York Times, CNN. They're all the same. They are all the same. They're from the same cut of cloth, the same mold as those lying politicians in Washington, D.C. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. I'd like to remind all my listeners that you can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Show on dogsofwar.com, freedominamericaradio.com, freedominamerica.us, Restoration Radio, United Kingdom, London, and the GAL Network from South Texas. We'll be right back. What's one of the most important elements of a high-performance stock car engine? Air flowing through the system, mixing with fuel, combusting, bringing the speed and thrills of stock car racing to life. Block the exhaust, the flow of air, you've got a problem on your hands. 
If you have emphysema, wheezing, chronic bronchitis, or smoker's cough, then you know what it's like when the air can't get through. What you probably don't know is that it could be COPD, the number four cause of death in America. But COPD can be treated. So talk to your doctor about COPD and get a simple breathing test. Then get on track for treatment. Learn more. Breathe better. Go to www.learnaboutcopd.org. A message from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. If you're pregnant and you smoke, you need to know that your risk of your baby being born too small is one and a half to three and a half times greater. By quitting now, your baby has a better chance to be born at a normal weight and to have healthy lungs. But it's also important for you to stay smoke-free after your baby's born. For free materials on quitting or to speak to a quit coach, call the National Quit Line at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Public Health Service. All right, here's a song I want to dedicate to Megan Kelly. Come after me. I'm just a helpless little female. <laughs> hey, you play with the big boys. You gotta be able to take it, Megan. Toughen up, baby. Your feisty little cutesy act that you put on every night, Monday through Friday, it just ain't cutting it, sweetheart. That's so. But, but, I'm a woman. You can't talk to me that way. I'm a journalist on Fox News. I don't cry. But you're bad, Donald. You're talking to me bad. Please help me. I'm just a helpless woman. Has anybody ever snapped back at you that way? Was that a uh, reality check or something? Right on uh, through the whole world to see? Thin skin, don't cut it, baby. Yeah, they do. And they do it on national TV. You know, folks, uh, like I said, I, I I used to be a, I wonder what, what the term would be, a Fox News freak. I would watch Fox News. It would be in the background all the time I was uh, in, in the house. It would be playing. I would watch every show during the evening hours course this is when fox news first fired up in the first couple of years i watched uh 
watched it all. I thought this was better than sliced bread, man. I said, finally, we've got a news network, national prominence, that is representing the views of conservative folks, of Christians. How wrong I was. How wrong many people were. I'd like to remind you something about Megyn Kelly. And no, this is not beat up on Megyn Kelly, Gary Gatehouse show. This is just telling you like it is. Let your mind drift back a ways. When Ms. Kelly had on her show a very prominent conservative, a man who has been through the political wars, a man who has been the mayor of a nation's largest city, New York, Mayor Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani. Always liked that guy. Now, Giuliani is one of these individuals that doesn't pull any punches either. Giuliani is one of these folks that doesn't put up with a bunch of guff. He just doesn't do it. When he was the mayor of New York, he had people coming at him left and right, both sides of the aisle coming after him. He didn't didn't pay attention to him at all. And he got that he got that New York City got New York City squared away. Crime went down. Well, you know the you know the story. What well, to get back to Megyn Kelly? He was on Megyn Kelly's show one night, not too far back. And he made a statement about Obama's, and he said, I'm not saying this verbatim now, I'm just uh, trying to touch all the highlights of what he said. He said to Megyn Kelly, he said, you know, Barack Hussein Obama does not like America, does not love America. Barack Hussein Obama does not love the American people. Well, that just shocked the hell out of Megyn Kelly. That Mayor Giuliani or anybody would say something like that on her show. And she chastised him for saying it. And she told him, she says, you should apologize. I'm giving you the opportunity to apologize to President Obama for what you just said. Mayor Giuliani refused. Megyn Kelly was aghast. She didn't know what to do, what to say. This is her show. That is not part of the format. That is not what is, should be said on her show. And she looked at him with disdain. You could tell it that she was pissed that he would say something like that on her show. Now you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you really deep, dig deep back into not just Megyn Kelly, but Bill O'Reilly, who a lot of people, the talking heads say is a populist. Megyn Kelly has come out and said she is an independent. She's not a conservative. She's not a liberal. She's an independent. Or let me rephrase that. She said she's an independent. She's not a Republican and she's not a Democrat. We know, us folks that pay attention to how she conducts herself 
and others on Fox News how they conduct themselves. During their showtime, they're liberals. In the true sense of the word. Now, they've disguised it. They've, they've covered it over. And they've done very well in hoodwinking the American people into thinking that they, uh, they are champions of the right. They are the champions of good against evil. They are champions of all those individuals that we would want to tell the news. They are the ones that are giving us the real news with no spin. And a lot of, a lot of us bought into it. I did. At first I thought fair and balanced. That's pretty cool. Showing both sides of the coin, if you will. Have a liberal here, have a conservative here, and they let them talk, and they, on a certain whatever issue, and they let the outcome fall where it may be, on the American people's ears, what they think of it. Then it went two liberals here, one conservative here, two conservatives. And now when you watch Fox News, they have panels. Everything's a panel. And on those panels are the same tired, old, worn-out political pundits on every damn show. Juan Williams, uh, Brent, whatever his name is, uh, the whole damn bunch of them. It's the same ones every day. They drag them out in front of the cameras. Carl Rove. And they have their parade of liberals they bring on there that are paid hacks, is all they are. And they present it to us as fair and balanced. We get the news out there, it's fair and balanced. This is what these people think, this is what these people think. And the people on Fox News admit that they are friends with all these people. These liberals, these communists, socialists, Marxists, progressives. They go out to dinner together. They know each other's families. And they say to you, well, we can, do, uh, we can take politics and put it here. And once we're done talking politics and we leave the set, we can turn it off like a spigot and we can go out and we can have a good time, party with them, whatever. We're just Americans. Here's a prime example of how a liberal works, how a progressive works. And there's progressives in the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. Jeb Bush, yeah, I'm not standing up for this guy because I can't stand him. He made a gaffe the other day talking about some particular issue. And he no sooner said it than the media come down on him and said, you've got to apologize for saying this. You've got to apologize for saying this. And he came out and he said, well, I misspoke. I didn't really mean to say that. But it wasn't two nanoseconds after he said it that Hillary Clinton was on his case using that against him and Republicans. And you know it's something that Republicans will never learn. That you cannot trust liberals. You cannot trust socialist, Marxist, progressive, communist liberals. Whatever they are. They will come after you tooth and nail and they never give up. And I've, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. When I post up on Facebook some comment that it's off-color or something about Democrats or Megan or Megyn Kelly or anybody, people say, you can't be saying that. You're lowering yourself to their standards. 
It makes the Republican Party and you look bad. Let me tell you something. I don't give a damn a bit about public opinion. I don't give a damn what people think about my show just because I speak out against whoever that I believe is destroying our way of life, our country, and making it miserable for future generations, our children, our grandchildren. I will speak out anytime, anywhere against them. I don't give a damn who it is. People like Megyn Kelly, people like that operate and own Fox News, CNN, CBS, ABC, NBC, Public Broadcasting, New York Times, a whole damn bunch of them are nothing but a corrupt bunch of lacking morals, elitist, and for the most part reside on the East Coast in their little ivory towers that they've constructed based on lies and deceit and misinformation and disinformation and propaganda. Then when you say something against them, it, it's like it's you're sticking a knife in their back. They can't stand it. They can't stand to hear the truth about them. So they lash out. And they surround that person. And they go after the person who said all that stuff about, like Megyn Kelly. Look at who's going after Donald Trump. It's just not conservatives. It's liberals as well. When I say conservatives, pseudo-conservatives. Not real conservatives. It's the Republican Party. Some of those people who are running for the nod to run as president under the GOP banner, they're going after Donald Trump. And there's one particular individual, his name's Lindsey Graham, who is the biggest damn phony. A liar. A song and dance man. And all his buddies up there in Congress. Lindsey Graham has no room to talk whatsoever. He's nothing but a congressional or a congress or an inside-the-beltway insider who has no concept of what we the people really think about him and Congress and the media. But I think they're getting ready, or I think they're just about ready, or I think maybe they already know or will already have a good idea on how we look at them. You know, I remember when, oh, I don't know, I was 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. My family would sit around the kitchen table on a Sunday, in the wintertime especially. They all had a cup of coffee. And they talked politics. And all the people from my family and extended family were blue-collar workers. Less a couple. And they would talk politics of the day. To the point where they'd beat their fist on the table to make a point, whatever. It was fun to watch. It really was fun to watch. And they'd drink their coffee and they'd sit there for a couple hours and somebody say it was time for pie and all the politics talking and table pounding went away. <laughs> And they'd have herself another cup of coffee and a piece of cherry pie or apple pie and talk about family, whatever. That's the way it was in my house growing up. When I'd go visit my cousins or 
Grandma or grandpa's, same thing. Same thing would transpire. Politics was usually the, oh, I don't know, topic of the day on a Sunday or a Saturday night. Because, you see, we were poor. We didn't have enough money to go to a movie or go get an ice cream cone once in a great, great, great while, maybe. And our, our parents, my grandparents, they all worked extremely hard. Extremely hard, but they, every one of them is patriots. My family has fought wars for America all the way back to the Revolution. One of my ancestors, John Hart, signed a Declaration of Independence. We have fought and we've complained down through the ages. And I guess I'm just carrying the banner. And I won't drop it. And my kids are the same way. They stand up. They don't take any guff. They speak their mind. A little bit more polite than I am, maybe. But that's the way we are in my family. We are all patriots. We love our country. And we all have or are raising our kids, grandkids, to be the same. And although Donald Trump is an individual that has billions of dollars, I can relate to him. I can see through all the stuff that they put up in front of him to try to besmirch him or demean, uh, demean him. Sure, he's crude in some ways, but I like that. Because when you're telling the truth and you don't take any guff from anybody, sometimes you have to be crude to get your point across. I think he learned that a long time ago. And no one can deny that a man that's worth billions who's earned it on his own, it wasn't given to him, and employs hundreds of thousands of people, has probably stood the wrath of many individuals at all levels and has always come out smelling like a rose. He knows what he's doing. And I can't say that about the people in Congress. I can't say that about the media. They know exactly what they're doing. Their agenda is an ideology of progressivism, propaganda, misinformation and disinformation, and hoodwinking the American people, especially the underinformed. That is what they're after. That's what they're doing. And they're doing a damn good job of it. We'll be back after the uh, five-minute news break. Don't go away. We have a lot more, lot more to talk about. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the clock's five-minute news break. Fox News Radio, I'm Jane Metzler. John Boehner and I disagreed on just about everything. But the one thing I'll say about John Boehner is uh, he did care about the institution. President Obama tonight in a sit-down with Steve Croft on CBS's 60 Minutes. Well, I am a little concerned that the reason he left was because there are a group of members of Congress who think uh, ha having somebody who is willing to shut down the government or default on the U.S. debt uh, is going to allow them to get uh, their way 100%. 
He's repeatedly said he's not interested, but House Ways and Means Committee Chair Paul Ryan facing pressure to run for Boehner's job as Speaker of the House. Ryan's now at home in Wisconsin, reportedly talking things over with his family. Well, they don't blow whistles in baseball, but if they did, fans would have heard one last night. Los Angeles Dodgers infielder Chase Utley has been suspended for games three and four of the NL Divisional Series against the Mets. In Saturday's game two, he took an aggressive hard slide past second base, never actually touching the base, slamming into New York shortstop Ruben Tejada, breaking his leg. Chief Baseball Officer Joe Torre says the play warrants a penalty, though he doesn't believe there was intent to injure, a sentiment echoed by Utley after the game. Obviously, I feel terrible that that he was injured. Um, I had no intent to hurt him whatsoever, Uh, but I did have an intent to try to break up the double play. Fox News Radio's Chris Honig reporting. The series now tied at a game apiece after the Dodgers won last night. Washington Post reporter Jason Rezaian has been convicted in Iran. No word on the charge. He was accused of espionage, detained in July of 2014. He spent more time in custody there than the Americans taken hostage at our embassy in 1979. Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Real experience, real insight. We're following this explosive story. Nothing gets by Greta. Then this is all BS. What was that all about? There's no spin and no question. O'Reilly dominates. Plus, smart, sharp, and cutting edge. It's the news of the day, but with a little heat. Megan delivers, and Sean seals the deal with fearless talk. What part of that are you understanding? Most watched, most trusted. Fox News Channel. There's more to Fox News Radio than meets the ear. Go behind the headlines and join the conversation on the hottest stories of the day on the Fox News Radio Facebook page. Be a part of the Fox News Radio Facebook fan community. Post comments and tell us your opinions. See behind-the-scenes photos and videos and post your reactions to the stories that matter to you. Click the like button on Facebook and connect with breaking news and features like Fox in the Fast Lane, House Call for Help, and more. Go to Facebook.com slash Fox News Radio. Memphis police officer murdered this afternoon. He was off duty, but on his way to work. I ask that you keep his family in your prayers. Uh, he has a fiance that is four months pregnant now. His mother's here. His entire family is here. We're asking that you respect their privacy as well. Police Director Tony Armstrong, 31-year-old Terrence Oldbridge, the fourth Memphis officer to be fatal, sh- fatally shot in the past four years, a suspect is in custody in his shooting. Three arrests in Arizona, the suspects in custody, allegedly for opening fire on a freeway. The incident's not said to be linked to a recent string of shootings on I-10 in downtown Phoenix. Arizona's Department of Public Safety did say they've received reports of two shootings involving a black sedan on I-10 earlier today. Informal gun control debates on Arizona college campuses after a freshman at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff opened fire Friday on his fraternity brothers after a brawl, killing one, wounding three others. Danielle Miller from My Fox Phoenix sampling opinion at Arizona State. The Republican Party of Maricopa County has joined forces with others like Young American.
Americans for Liberty and Students for Self-Defense at ASU to pass legislation allowing guns on campus. Students who are on campus have mixed opinions on the issue. If anyone got in, like if anyone got heated, it could get bad really quickly. I feel like if there's more guns on campus, then there's more of a chance that somebody will be protected and you can, like there's other people that are there besides the police that are on campus or the security that's on campus. An Air Force major fired from the Special House Committee investigating the Benghazi consulate attack. He says it was because he was more interested in investigating the attack than Hillary Clinton. I'm Jane Metzler, Fox News Radio. What are you? Ring dang do! No, ladies and gentlemen. Before we uh, went to the top of the hour and took the break for the Fox News, we were talking about the impact of public school education on we the people here in the United States, our kids, future generations, our government, our security, the whole ball of wax. And uh, I come to the conclusion a long time ago, and I even voiced my opinions on that, like I said many times over on my show, the Gary Gatehouse radio show, starting way back in 2007, on just what kind of education our children are getting today and have been for years via the public school system, owned and operated by the Communist Democrat Party. You notice, if you take notice, all those politicians up there on the left are always whining and crying and wanting more money for the educational system, right? They're just saying we dump more money into the educational system and we'll get things right. We'll get our kids all out there and uh, be at the top of the heap as far of, uh, as being competitive in the world around us. Well, we dumped millions and millions, billions of dollars into our educational system, our public school educational system. And where has it got us? It's got us nowhere. We have a dumbed-down population that couldn't find their ass with both hands. It's pretty self-evident. Watch TV. Watch the crap that is put together on TV for entertainment. It doesn't take too much knowledge to sit down and watch the crap that is put on TV to entertain the population of America these days. Not all of us. Some of us are still interested in getting true ed information out there and, and more up-to-date education on our own selves. Educating our own selves on anything. Anthropology, you name it. Sociology. It's all out there for people to soak up if they want to. But the population today, whether they're being educated on the Kardashians, reality shows, dance shows, singing shows, they got it all down pat. They know all about it. All those individuals are competing for whatever. And uh, what the Kardashians are doing, who they're screwing, not screwing. They know it all about that, but you ask them anything about their country, they don't know a hill of beans about their, their country. They don't know anything about the politicians up there, and that's what the politicians want. Now, there's a thing coming out that's being pushed by such people as uh, Mike Huckabee, running for the office of the White House via the Republican Party, wants their nomination. And he stands by Common Core. But you know, Common Core is not going to fix this problem. And neither neither are all these federally funded tasks that are out there. 
For example, three-quarters of the American students who earn a high school diploma are unprepared for college coursework. 30% of high school graduates can't pass a United States military entrance exam. 30%! And I imagine it's higher than that. And that test is focused on basic reading, writing, math skills. More than 600,000 United States manufacturing jobs sit vacant because they aren't enough qualified candidates to fill them. Across the country this spring, students are scheduled to take federally funded tests that align with the Common Core standards. Now, the resistance already has been strong in most areas where the tests are not mandatory. Many students have chosen to opt out of this testing, and good for them. Good for them. New York State has emerged as a center of resistance, believe it or not, to Common Core. In some school districts, well over half the students refused to take the Common Core aligned test this spring. In one Long Island district, 82% of the students opted out. One teacher's union, New York State United Teachers, has actually encouraged parents to opt their kids out of the test. And we all should be delighted in the resistance or the resistance to Common Core. It's extremely encouraging to witness a growing resistance to Common Core and the massive numbers of students and parents that are choosing to opt out of this Orwellian federal-funded testing regime. Now, these are all the comments of an individual that's been looking into this and he's been uh, interviewed on WorldNet Daily. And we know... The controversial test, in addition to serving as one of their primary enforcement mechanisms for the Barack Hussein Obama Jr. Decisity administration-backed Common Core fiasco, are gathering unimaginable amounts of data on our children for use by federal education bureaucrats. This is simply unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And it is great to see parents and teachers define this outrageous plan. Common Core has faced criticism from day one from the left and the right. And you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, the people that are pushing Common Core and saying it's the best thing since sliced bread, one of the main sponsors of it is the National Education Association. They want Common Core. Politicians want it. Education bureaucrats want it. And they often claim that students are doing so poorly in school because governments don't spend enough money on education. So they're opposed to solutions are very costly, Mr. Newman points out. For example, it was estimated in 2014 that states would have to spend $10 billion up front to implement Common Core, and then up to $800 million per year for the first seven years of the program. Now, Mr. Newman thinks federal and state governments are stuck in an endless cycle of spending money on strategies that just don't work. But he believes the cycle will never end on its own because the powers that... Don't care, I guess. Are the American children's parents? There's a lot of parents out there that just don't pay attention. But you know the educational establishment will never put a stop. Will never put a stop to its its own. It will never put a stop to all this. It's big money for them. The American people need to find out what's going on. They don't need more billions. They need less billions. And they need the damn government to get the hell out of the education system. Now, the Department of Education, 
latest report says, and it concludes that 1,777,000 students are homeschooled in the United States. That's 3.4% of the school age population among children who were homeschooled. 68% were white, 15% are Hispanic, 8% are black, and 4% are Asian and Pacific Islander. Many parents in America are discovering, ladies and gentlemen, that when it comes to education, there's no place like home. As concerns over public education increase, more parents are learning toward, leaning toward homeschooling to control things to which their kids are exposed to. According to a report released by Education News last year, the number of children being homeschooled in all states, yes, even the liberal ones, increased by 75% since 1999. And while homeschool children only account for 4% of school children across America, the same report states the number of primary school kids whose parents chose to forego traditional education is growing seven times faster than the number of kids enrolling in K-12 through every year. The American population is waking up. They're waking up to the fact that their children are not getting an education. They are being indoctrinated. They were being indoctrinated. But you know, creating an environment that's accepting of everything except toy guns, anything deemed as bullying, isn't enough to keep our kids safe. But many parents realize this and aren't willing to sacrifice their kids all in the same in the name of tolerance. That's a big liberal word. Tolerance, diversity, can't we all just get along? And according to this report, there are nearly 2 million homeschooled children in the United States, with the number increasing by 10 to 12% every year here in America. I don't know what it's like down in New Zealand, South Africa, wherever. Drop me a line at GaryGatehouse at Hush.com. Let me know what homeschooling is all about in your country. Let me know what the parents of your country are signing on to complaining about public school education. It's no good here in America. It's no good. But you know, homeschoolers, homeschool students, they get more bang for the buck. They're not only safer and more academically accomplished, it's also cheaper. The annual cost of educating one homeschool student is roughly 5% of the annual cost of educating one public school student. Yeah, you read that right. It costs a family approximately five to $600 a year per homeschool student, while it average, average taxpayers 10000 a year for the average public school student. Ten grand a year. They go in dumb, and they come out even more dumb. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's not all that's going down in the public school education system. And when we come back after a few short messages, we're going to delve into the education, who teaches it, who's leading it, and what their ideology is behind all of this. We'll be right back. The American Heart Association presents Mon and Polly, the Better Fat Sisters. Mon, what's cooking? I'm famished. Here you are, Polly, my latest culinary creation. Mmm, these fish fillets look wonderful. Mon, I usually don't eat fried food. All that fat, you know. It's okay, they're grilled, and I use just a bit of a vegetable oil that's low in saturated fat. 
Does that really matter? It does. Oils like canola, corn, and olive mainly contain monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats, and they can help reduce bad cholesterol in your blood and lower your risk of heart disease and stroke. Did Mother tell you this? The American Heart Association told me. I found the recipe at heart.org slash face the fats. Are we going to eat or just talk about food? Look who's talking. I'm Mon. And I'm Polly. We're, We're the, the Better, Better Fat Sisters. Sisters. For more heart-healthy recipes, visit us at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Freedom in America. Freedom in America Radio Network, presenting the traditional view of the good old American dream that you won't hear about on the liberal media. Freedom in America. Yeah. That's right, it's Hump Day, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on Restoration Radio United Kingdom, the GAL Network from South Texas, freedominamericaradio.us, and freedominamericaradio.com. And don't forget, dogsofwarradio.com. Well, you know, folks, the theme of the show today has been about education and lack of here in the United States. How the American people are children. How our young children, our older children are being screwed, to put it bluntly. And it's all by design. It is all by design, whether you want to buy into it or not, America. You moms and dads out there, you put your little kids on that yellow school bus, or you load them up in a family truckster, and you take them off to the schoolhouse every day, Monday through Friday. And you dump them off, let them off, whatever, and they walk in there with a little uh, Mary or little Billy carrying a little bag for their lunch. I guess they still take their lunch in a bag or a school uh, uh, box or something, lunch box. And they walk into that schoolhouse, and who's the first person they see? They see a, a person of authority. You was the last person they seen when they got out of the car or out of the school bus, the person of authority there. They walk into the schoolhouse, and who's the person of authority? It's their teacher. Most of it, women. And they stand up here in front of your children every day, Monday through Friday, 90% of them probably members of the National Education Association, the largest union in the United States of America. And they they literally dictate to your children how it's going to be as far as what they learn and don't learn. They decide what they're going to learn and not learn. And they pick and choose. And the curriculums that they teach from, are designed, operated, put together by liberal, socialist, Marxist, communist uh, people who work in conjunction with the NEA and the public school system. Most of the curriculums come out of California. And here are little kids in the mid, mid, Midwest, in Kansas, Missouri, whatever, down here in the South. We have to go up there and listen to all that pablum. We send our kids to listen to all that pablum that those teachers are puking out of their mouths every day and it's all laced it's all filled with leftist crap nothing means anything anymore as far as education goes 
Now, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, that's an organization of 34 of the most developed countries in the world, released its annual survey of education last week, and it should come as no surprise that the United States outspends other nations on education each year, even though our students continually fall behind other countries academically. The United States spends American taxpayer money at the tune of $11,000 on each each elementary student and more than $12,000 of American taxpayer money on each high school student in the year 2010. That's the most year, the most recent year studied by the OECD. But you factor in additional educational costs such as college or vocational training and the price total is more than $15,000 a student. Taking the United States to the top of the list. But how does that compare to other OECD nations or countries? The OECD nations average nine nine grand a year per individual student, but some nations fell far behind the United States in educational spending. Mexico, for example, averages just below three grand a year for every student. And they send a lot of their damn people over to our country, illiterate, to join hands with our illiterate their illiterate brothers and sisters, I guess. Other countries were neck and neck with us. Take Switzerland which spent $14,922 on each of its students. The average OECD nation spent 6.3% of its gross domestic product for education. But the we top this by spending over 7% of GDP on education. But federal funding, uh, funding only accounts for 70% of the total amount spent on education in the United States. Parents pay another 25%. They pay another 25% with private sources covering the remaining 5%. Money does not equal success, ladies and gentlemen. Money does not equal success. Those numbers don't, don't tell the whole story. Although we're one of the top spenders in education, other OECD nations continually outperform American students, our kids, on international assessments. This is according to the Trends in Mathematics and Science study. Our fourth graders ranked number 11 in the world in math, while our eighth graders fared only slightly ranking number 9 in the world. But it doesn't stop there. The Program for International Study Assessment ranked the United States 31st in math literacy. 31st! Well below the international average. And we ranked 23rd in science among the same student assessment. 23rd. You know, ladies and gentlemen, does that mean anything to you? But now you got the, the teachers' unions, the NEA and the American Federation of Teachers. They put in their two cents. And since that po- a report has been published, the unions are ready to fight. Randy Wingarden, president of the American Federation of Teachers, commented that we people talk about other countries out-educating the United States. It needs to be remembered that those other nations are out-investing us in education as well. In other words, she's saying that our students fall behind because the student United States doesn't pay the teachers here in the United States enough. We don't pay our teachers enough. Well, let's have a look at that. The first year high school teacher salary in the United States is 38k. That's 7,000 more than the average 31,000 among OECD nations. Luxembourg, however, starts its high school students at a, at a nearly double U.S. with a first year salary of a whopping 72,000 dollars. 
but the figures are scattered and fall all across the spectrum. Slavokia pays its first high school stu- uh, school teachers ten grand. The average high school teacher in America makes fifty three thousand annually, well above the other OECD average of forty five thousand. But when you look at the numbers closely, it's easy to see that the United States teacher salaries are more more than competitive, more than competitive. But you know, ladies and gentlemen. It's likely that there are numerous culprits that are responsible for our poor showing in education. For one, we're continuing to perpetuate the problematic nature of the system we have in place, public school system. We're shooting ourselves in the foot when we don't base teachers' salary on quality of teaching. We allow politics to muddy and degrade our education system. Our education system, public education system, is owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Communist Democrat Party, which uses the public school education system as a socialist, Marxist, communist, progressive indoctrination clinic. That's all they are these days. And that all, it just does away with improving the education system, and the education of American students. Unless you're a communist Democrat, then you're more than happy because the schools are turning out cookie-cutter communists. You know, they say the teachers in America, the unions say that they don't make enough money. Well, let's have a look at how much a teacher, an average school teacher puts in as far as a school year. Let's have a look at how much they put in the schoolhouse every year. And we'll compare that to the average American worker. The average American worker works 52 weeks times 5 days a week and equals 260 days, gets a 4 weeks vacation each year, 16 days, but that only comes about after they've been on the job 4, 5, 6, sometimes 10 years. 10 holidays a year, maybe. 3 sick days a year, maybe. Three personal days a year, maybe. We're still talking about the average American worker. Total work days, 228 days a year. And we got we got to discount some of this breakdown because the average American worker doesn't get 16 hours a day, I mean 16 hours uh, paid vacation a year. Maybe after they've been there 10, 15 years, they might get it. Ten holidays, I don't think so. Three sick days, could be. Three personal days depends on who you are. Work day is eight hours. Work with one and a half hour unpaid lunch and two 15 minute breaks. That's the average day of the American worker. Now let's look at the average for an American teacher. The average teacher, her school year, his school year, 180 days, 14 paid holidays. Five personal days a year. Seven sick days a year. Vacation days, who knows? Total days worked 154 days. 154 compared to 260. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. For your information, to all you listening, the National Education Association Union for American Teachers, is the largest union in the United States of America with a population of over 3.2 million members. The NEA 
is the nation's largest union and represents public school teachers, administrators, substitute teachers, higher education faculty members, education support professionals, retired educators, students preparing to become teachers, blah, 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 blah. How many of you know when this NEA was founded? It was founded way back in 1857 and merged with the American Teachers Association in 1966. And another for your information to the listeners. When you talk about the National Education Association, well, I'm going to take a break right here because we. this is something that is really heavy. This is something that the American people ought to realize, ought to know, under understand, especially you folks that have kids in grade school, pre-kindergarten, high school, are planning on sending your kids off to college. That's right, you, you people out there, you parents that are busting your buns, hocking the house, and everything else, so little Mary or little Jimmy can go to college and get indoctrinated by the left. We'll be right back. Looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back live at the National Butt Out Finals. AJ Langer is all fired up, and there he goes. It's out! He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds! Lori is with AJ. Lori? AJ, how did you get your butt out so quick? Well, I learned the hard way. I burnt the house down. If you smoke, put it out. All the way. Every time. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov smoking. A message from the U.S. Fire Administration and firefighters everywhere. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition hump day. And we'll be back after the Phyllis Schaffler Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, popular speaker, and the author of 20 books, including the book Feminist Fantasies that reveals the feminist influence on the media, on college campuses, and writing in children's classrooms. Now here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. In many cities, tour guides are hired to lead visitors to look at local landmarks, often teaching some history along the way. In recent years, several cities enacted laws requiring tour guides to be certified in history before they can charge the public for their tours. In 2008, there were reports of some guides spreading malicious falsehoods about famous Americans, some of them quite offensive. And so the Philadelphia City Council now requires tour guides to pass a history test before they can charge for their guide services. On tours of Independence Hall and other sites maintained by the federal government, the guides say only what they are allowed to say. But in other locations, it was anything goes until cities began requiring tour guides to have licenses. Philadelphia requires tour guides to get a score of at least 65% on a test with 150 questions about local historical sites. A similar law to require licensing of tour guides was passed in New Orleans, but the tour guides sued to be free from any control or supervision of what they can say on the tours. They lost. 
the courts upheld the licensing requirement, but it didn't specify what the guides may say or not say. The licensing requirement tests applicants on their knowledge of the area's historical and cultural history and on the landmarks in the city. The tour guides appealed, but the Supreme Court refused to hear their case, so the licensing requirement remains in effect. I think that is a good result. If you go as a visitor to a city with many historical landmarks where great events happened long ago, I'd like to know that I'm getting true history, not some oddball comments by a guide who's trying to be humorous or perhaps even trying to downgrade or belittle our founding fathers. You've been listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. If you don't want history to be rewritten, if you don't want our children to be brainwashed in school, then we encourage you to write us at Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Ask for the History Brainwashing Report. For the sake of the future, write Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Ask for the History Brainwashing Report. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Good news. Fewer adults are smoking cigarettes than ever before. No matter how long you've been smoking or how old you are, it's never too late to quit. Almost immediately, you'll breathe better and your circulation will improve. You'll also be able to recover from illness and injury faster. Each day, your tobacco-free reduces your risk for conditions such as heart disease and stroke. For more information on quitting, talk to your health professional or call the National Quit Line at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Take the first step to a healthier life. Here come the judge. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, hump day. I hope you folks are having a fine day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. You know, I got a lot of emails for some reason, and I don't know why, but I got a lot of emails from Brazil. Can you believe that? I, I didn't even know I had listeners down Brazil way. And there were some from some towns that I can't even pronounce. I don't know. But all you folks down in Brazil to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, uh, why don't you drop me in line and let me know what radio station you listen to me on. And uh, thanks for listening, all you folks down there in Brazil. And I got a lot of emails. When I say a lot, I, I normally don't get very any me- emails from folks that live up in uh, what was the name of that place? Luxembourg. Little bitty old place over there in Europe. And I got one from uh, one lady named Garnet. And she said, Mr. Gatehouse, I really enjoy your show. And I'm reading it off here. 
I really enjoy your show. I'm an American living in Luxembourg, and I enjoy listening to an, another true American voice who is concerned about our country. Well, thank you, Garnet. I appreciate that. And all you folks over there who are Americans living abroad, living in Europe, living in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, wherever you may be, you can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on dogsofwarradio.com at 12 noon Central Standard Time, U.S. Time. dogsofwarradio.com Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 noon dogsofwarradio.com and 12 noon Central Standard Time. Or you can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com Monday through Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, American Time. On freedominamericaradio.com, freedominamericaradio.com, owned and operated by Mr. Billy Van Horn from Pennsylvania. And he has one hell of a lineup. He really does. J.J. McCarthy, he's got, uh, he's got Trade Martin. He's got, he's got you, people, I tell you, if you're a conservative, if you're an American, and you enjoy listening to Americans and what they have to say, us Americans that sit behind a microphone and try to bring the truth out to you every day, Tune in to freedominamericaradio.com. 24-7. 24-7 at radio stations operating. Mr. Billy Van Horn. And you can also go up and join the Freedom in America Radio Facebook page by just going, if you're already a member, just type in Freedom in America, and it'll take you to it, Freedom in America Radio. Sign on, become a member. Support freedominamericaradio.com. It's your radio station, America. It's your radio station, Tea Party. It's your radio station, conservatives, you moms and dads, you aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, all you folks out there in the military that are concerned with what's going down and wanting to get the truth, want to get all the commentary right straight from the horse's mouth, if you will, freedominamericaradio.com. Same with freedominamericaradio.us. Gary Gatehouse is up there 24-7. And you can have access at freedominamericaradio.us to Gary Gatehouse's past shows. There's a quite a large selection up there to listen to. We also broadcast on the GAL network. And you can listen, listen to us there 24-7. And Restoration Radio United Kingdom, home of Mr. Stephen Lang, owner and operator out of London, England. Oh, by the way, Stephen, that package... Should be getting there anytime soon. It's pretty soon. And Mr. Stephen Lang is one of the uh, staunchest, one of the most supportive English blokes of the American way. Mr. Stephen Lang and I, we uh, communicate almost daily. And he is an individual that uh, is very concerned about his country, very concerned about America. And he uh, pulls no punches when it comes to expressing his concerns. And that's what I appreciate about the man. He is a straightforward bloke who tells it like it is. And that's what I like. And you'll get the same treatment if you come to the Gary Gatehouse show to listen. I don't pull any punches. I don't sign on to politically correctness. No way, Jose. I tell it like it is. You know, before we went to break... We were talking about the National Education Association, the largest union in the United States of America, owned and operated by teachers. 
of various stripes, various cuts of cloth, whatever. And I'm going to give you a breakdown on what the NEA, as far as its political side, which I would suspect is equal to its educating side, which is not much as far as education goes. All they're doing is working very diligently to turn out those cookie-cutter socialists, Marxist, communist progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call them, for the Communist Democrat Party. They're, they're all in with the Communist Democrat Party. National Education Association Teachers Union. Contributions. 29,908,414. Ranks number four of 16,000 plus unions, whatever, contributing to the political arena. In lobbying, the NEA, the National Education Association, in 2014 spent $2,433,925 in lobbying Congress. In 2013, it spent $2,475,284 lobbying Congress. And it ranks number 222, 222 out of 4,072 different lobbyists people who contact and have lobbyists lobby Congress. Number 222 out of 4,072 organizations that spend money on lobbyists. And these numbers come from 2014. Now, outside spending money, they spend on other movements, liberal, socialist, communist movements, six million. Six million plus. And they rank number 20 out of 185. Contributions to political candidates. $1,797,492. Contributions to leadership PACs. P-A-C PACs. $158,000. Contributions to parties. $378,000. Contributions to 527 committees, 446640 Contributions to outside spending groups, $27,127,697. And I suggest you folks go up to the NEA's homepage and look at the groups that it supports and spends that $27 million plus on. It'll blow your mind. Now, in federal candidates running for office in the year 2014 cycle, the National Education Association's total contributions to candidates from National Education Association PACs is 33 times larger than contributions from individuals. The NEA independent expenditures is $5,798,883. Expenditures for Democrats, 231681 Against Democrats, zero. Zero, nada. For Republicans, $821,137. Sounds like a lot, don't it? Sounds like they're really in there rooting on the Republican people running for office, right? Against Republicans. Money they spent against Republicans. You know, campaign uh, information, banners, whatever you want to call them. $4,977,746. And they threw in communication costs of 
$1,000. Total, $1,797,492 of NEA money. I would suspect it comes from those people who buy the the, uh, union card and pay their dues. Over 90% of those contributions went to the Communist Democrat Party. Over 90% of those contributions went to the Communist Democrat Party. But you know, there's a, a report that came out by a guy named Mike Adams, a professor at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, a criminal justice professor. And he says... The NEA is also advocating multiculturalism. Today we call it political correctness, but the real term is cultural Marxism. It's also multiculturalism, which is a denigration of the foundational Western worldview. And this was uh, said by a guy, President Brandon House, in conjunction with Mike Adams. Adams believes the NEA is willing Advocacy of cultural Marxism means it's anti-Western. And he's right, it is. It just shows there are contrarians. And they'll celebrate anything that is contrary to our Judeo-Christian principles and our capitalistic society. It's just another example of identity politics, Adam stated. He's talking about how the NEA wanted its schoolhouses throughout the United States to celebrate Mayo's Taesong's birthday. That's right. A great, a great socialist, a great communist. Now, Mr. Howes agrees with Adams on the basic point. He says he's not surprised that the NEA would celebrate communism. He goes on to say, I'm appalled but not shocked because of the National Education Association's long love affair with communism, Mr. House says. Most Americans are going to be shocked But this helps us understand who the NEA is. The National Education Association really is. The NEA is a group of radicals who are opposed to parental authority, opposed to accountability, and are not for traditional education, Mr. House said. They're not reading, writing, and arithmetic. They're not teaching that. They are for a progressive, liberal, anti-American worldview. And most of the teachers who pay dues to the NEA do not agree with the liberal stance of the NEA Association, Mr. House explained. Throughout history, the NEA has historically been willing to ask for federal intervention in the nation's schools. The NEA website reports that the teachers' union successfully influenced the federal government to create a federal department of education. We talked about that earlier. Mr. House adds that one of the NEA's heroes is John Dewey. I've talked about old John Dewey many times. Now, John Dewey traveled to the former Soviet Union way back in 1928. 1928. And studied the communist education system in the former Soviet Union. And he came back talking about how great it was. He talked about the marvelous development of the progressive education ideas and practices. Here is John Dewey's praising communism. The Soviet Union system, which is very much like China's system, saying we need to teach the progressive ideas and to counteract the ideas of the home and the church. That's what Dewey advocated. That's what the NEA still preaches and marches by, Mr. House added. Now, Mr. House also believes the celebration 
of communism is consistent with the NEA's philosophy of rejecting the traditional family. The NEA supports same-sex marriage. The NEA has a large contingent of homosexual movements within the confines of the NEA. When they hold their national uh, event every year at whatever city they decide on, one of the main things they talk about is homosexuality and how they are going to make the student and the parent accepted as normal. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the bottom line. The NEA supports illegal aliens. The NEA supports La Raza. The NEA supports UNESCO. The NEA supports United Nations. And it speaks out many times against our military. They support feminism, which is anti-family, anti-father. They openly write about the need to destroy the family, the male, the leader of the home, the defender and provider. Mr. House explained, break down the family and it will grow the government and the welfare state. That's what the NEA is all in for. The growth of the welfare state, the growth of the government, even bigger and bigger. Centrally located, in charge of us from cradle to grave. And the NEA will be the provider as it is now for the indoctrination of future generations. So that the Communist uh, Democrat Party can continue to control us. From cradle to grave. Dumbed down Americans who know nothing about their country. And the Democrat Party and the NEA want it that way. Now one of the tools the National Education Association is using to accomplish its objectives is to revise American history. We who pay attention know this. They're at work. And their friends are at work to try to show that social justice or communism or progressive ideology is good. Remember, progressivism is just another word for communism. And the antithesis of their teachings is that Christianity is evil. Bill Ayers, the former Weather Underground member, you would think is so radical that he would be rejected. Instead, he has been elected as vice president of a leading organization that writes curriculums for your kid and my kid in school. So Bill Ayers is writing social justice curriculums for America's schools. Curriculums, again, that are being taught by the NEA teachers and professors teaching your kids from those curriculums. And they're not teaching you, they're brainwashing them. So this is how the National Education Association and people like Bill Ayers will work to praise the Soviet Union, to praise China. Their jobs have been a rewrite of history to make America look bad and communism look good. This recently a poll was taken. High school kids and college kids said they prefer socialism over capitalism. Where do you think they got those ideas from? Do you think their parents taught them that? Well, maybe some did. But the majority didn't. They learned all of that in school. Indoctrination clinics ran by the NEA. Now you know, ladies and gentlemen, you folks that have kids in school know about the school year calendar. And the National Education Association, with all its liberal progressive socialist Marxist communist ideology all rolled up into one big ball of wax. 
One of the big words that they sign on to is diversity. And they spread that out amongst everything. Homosexuality, same-sex marriage, getting rid of the parent, getting rid of the male, etc. Homosexuality is the, I guess, the gospel of the day with the NEA. Now, the diversity calendar with the NEA also lists Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and traditional Jewish holidays such as Passover and Yom Kippur. However, the calendar also includes Islamic fasting month of Ramadan and the festival of Eidia Fritir, the day to celebrate Ramadan's end. They're signed on to the Muslims and Sharia law, folks, and they're teaching it in our schools. You see headlines every day. But you know, the connection between the two ideologies, it's purely pragmatic. The communists and the Muslims are united in their desire to destroy America. Muslims see America as the great saint, and communists hate traditional America. And the NEA loves them both. However, Mr. House says that the arrangement pits the two most aggressive ideologies against we the people, against our children. At some point, those ideologies will eventually clash. They're working now, but they'll fight it out in the end. Now, according to Mr. Adams, the calendar is an expression of the valueless education establishment, which encourages a celebration of days significant to two of the world's most aggressive belief systems. He says that in the end, when these two ideologies collide, one ideology will win out. There's no question that Islam will win out in the end, Mr. Adams said. I just wonder if the NEA folks thinks that because they sign on with Muslim religion and push it daily in their schools, that their heads and necks will be saved when that day comes, when Islam and ISIS and the Muslims start to uh, identifying Americans that they need to lop their heads off? You folks in the NEA, do you think you'll be protected? Now, when the NEA made a glowing assessment of radical socialist community organizer Saul Alinsky, enthusiastically recommending American public school teachers read two of his books, including one dedicated to Satan. You heard me correct. On its website, the National Education Association dubbed Alinsky as an inspiration to anyone contemplating action in their community and to every organizer. Of course, the NEA backed Barack Hussein Obama Jr. DeSissi, a community organizer and a staunch pupil of Saul Alinsky. They backed him to the hilt, as do they back Hillary Clinton, another staunch pupil of Saul Alinsky and a Marxist. It recommends Alinsky's Reveal for Radicals, a 1946 book about the principles and tactics of community organizing and Rules for Radicals, a 1997, 1971 text that articulated a socialist strategy for gaining political power to redistribute wealth from the haves and the have-nots. You hear Obama talking about redistribution of the wealth every damn day. You hear about the political party, the Communist Democrat Party, doing the same. You even hear some Republicans talking about it, and the NEA teaches it every day to your kids in school. Every day, Monday through Friday. The NEA, the largest labor union, 
in the United States of America. It represents public school teachers, college and university faculty, retired education employees, college students preparing to become teachers. Or in this day and age, as the NEA once said, teachers were eventually going to be change agents. They're not teachers anymore. They're change agents. Agents of the left. Agents of communism, socialism, Marxism, progressivism. Teachers in the NEA, not all, but most, are change agents. And they go with the flow. They're radicals. Now, the NEA explained Alinsky's goal seems to be to encourage positive social change by equipping activists with a realistic view of the world, a kind of preemptive disillusionment. If a person already knows what the evil the world is capable of, then perhaps the surprise factor can be eliminated, making the person a more effective activist. So Alinsky further seems to be encouraging a budding activist not to worry much about getting his or her hands dirty. It's all part of the job. He seems to say in Rules for Radicals, it's all part of the job. Now the NEA, the National Education Association of America, if you have been reading the headlines on the internet, not paying attention to the outlets of the media, who are all journalists, journalists educated by the NEA, Every damn one of them, including those on Fox. But if you get your news from other sources, specifically on the Internet, where the NEA and its teachings and its its way of hoodwinking the American people and its indoctrination didn't seem to set with a lot of us. We got through it. And I'll explain how I got through it. I was a child of the 50s and 60s in school. I went to college later as I became an intelligence officer. Those years in the 50s and 60s, all of this was going on to some extent. But it was held behind, uh, hid behind the closet door in the schoolhouse. Today, the NEA is right in your face. Today, the NEA and the Communist Democrat Party are right nose-to-nose with you folks out there that call yourselves conservatives and moral Christians who have children that you are very concerned about and their education. They're in your face. They're telling you, you as parents don't count. They are in charge. Shut your mouth, parents. We're going to teach them how we want to teach them. And you're going to sit back and not say a damn thing about it. And you know what? Most of America, they're not saying anything about it. When you start talking about education in the context I am, most Americans turn me off, run and hide. They don't want to hear it. They don't even want to take the time out to look around and look and listen to see what I'm talking about, to see if it's true. Or other people who talk about it like me. That's where America's going to lose. That's where America is losing the battle to save our country. Because you see, 
Way back in this show, I said, the quickest way to destroy a country, the quickest way to destroy a country's belief in Christianity, the family unit, is through the schoolhouse. Through the curriculum the schoolhouse teaches. And who's in charge of the schoolhouse. And who develops the curriculum that the schoolhouse teaches from. Oh sure, they can't do it overnight. But I flat guarantee you, we're one generation away from children who will know nothing about Pearl Harbor, know nothing about Vietnam, know nothing about World War II, if any little, know nothing about the history of their country, the founding fathers, how it all came to be. They will know nothing about the country they live in except for what the National Education Association change agents have taught them. And we see that every damn day. Examples of where our kids today are. They are lost. They don't know. And furthermore, they don't care. Even that is taught to them in school. Oh, we remember back in the 60s when I was in Vietnam and that whole era back in the 60s, drug, sex, rock and roll, remember that? Remember the whole young generation? Hell no, I won't go. Burn your bras, whatever. Parents don't mean a damn thing to me. They're stupid, they're idiots. Burn down the country, burn down the government, burn down everything. Ho Chi Minh's great. Remember all that? Well, those folks grew up. A lot of them became professors and high school students and grade school students. All indoctrinated into socialism, communism, Marxism. Bill Ayers is a prime example. He teaches your kids. University of Chicago. He teaches your kids. He has an office that's got Shea Chicago. He's got an office that shows that all the things that he is all in with. Communism. And yet he's a teacher of your children. And before we go today, I've been on my horse all day about education in the United States. And I know it's going to turn a lot of people off. I know a lot of people are going to say, why aren't you talking about politics? Why aren't you talking about what's impacting on us right now? This is impacting on you now! This is impacting on your country. This is impacting on the security of future generations, your children, your grandchildren. I guess all the stupidity that is taught as classroom study has finally come home to roost in America. I guess all you Americans out there that just don't want to hear anything that tells the truth or shines a light of truth on what's going on in this country, I guess the teachers, the change agents in the public schools you went to, and yes, even some private schools, it is creeping into them like Notre Dame. I guess you just don't care. Let somebody else take care of it. Let some other stupid American take care of it. I don't want to hear about this. makes me feel bad. I don't want to think my kids are going to schools like this. I don't want to think that I'm saving all this money to send them to college 
and they're going to go get this kind of education? I don't think Gary Gatehouse is right. I don't think all those other individuals out there that are sounding the alarm are right. America's great. We're too big to fail. Nobody can touch us. We've got the smartest people in the world. Just look around you. Look at Hillary. Look at uh, Obama. Look at Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, John Boehner. Look at them. They're, they're intelligent people. Really? Are they really intelligent people? Or are they just well-versed in their song and dance way of doing things? Their abilities to hoodwink the American people, which isn't too hard these days, since most Americans are so dumbed down. They don't know. They don't know too much these days about anything. And like I told you before, before I sign off, the Gary Gatehouse show is not here to make everything all painted and looking pretty and pinks and all these fuzzy looking things that make you feel so great and make you feel wonderful. I am a messenger of the truth. I am not a messenger of lies and uh, things that make you feel good to cover up what is really happening just so you'll feel good another day or two. Not Gary Gatehouse. I refuse to do it. Refuse to do it. Good day.